Okay, how's everyone doing? I'm doing great, Jim. Thanks. Okay, good to hear from you, Larry. So, I'm Jim, Jim Lowenstern, and the show is Broker Talk, and we're here broadcasting the show today. Hi, again. Hi, from the top of the Castles Unlimited Space Needle in Boston, Massachusetts, with my co-host, Larry Lawfer. Evan is running the board. It's a beautiful day today, uh, Jim. It's a beautiful day for real estate. Lots of things going on in the industry, and we're here to talk about much of it. All right. Let's get right into it then. Well, I'm, I'm ready to buy uh, Jackie O's property for $35 million in Martha's Vineyard. I think that's a, a heck of a buy. She has almost uh, three and a half acres for $65 million. That is a sweet deal. It's the... Um most expensive property ever listed on the vineyard. And I had that acreage wrong. It's 345 acres. That's correct. That is quite a sized property. And it even has a tennis court and a swimming pool and a guest house. And in fact, in Massachusetts and in most places, you uh, along the, the edge of the border on the uh, sea... You're allowed to walk. That's public land. But with Jackie O's property, you cannot do that. How did that happen? Well, uh, she was Jackie O, and, oh. and uh, her husband was the president, oh. so it was protected. Oh. I don't think that's... Uh, special treatment, huh? Special treatment. Mm. You know how that is. I, 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 I actually don't. <laughs> Not until now. All right. Well... I think our guest just dialed in. Are, oh, cool. Are you here, Andy Brilliant? I am. Awesome. So it's a, a pleasure to have you, Andy. Uh, Andy is a uh, real estate agent working in the Jamaica Plain area. I have known Andy for, what, some 25 years, Andy? Well, you're not as old, but uh, I, I certainly am. We're trying to get your uh, volume up just a little bit as we get here. But one of the questions that we had to start with is um, choosing your brokerage or building your brand. Which way do you fall on that? Yeah, I didn't get the question either, Andy, so don't worry about it. <laughs> Rephrase. Think about it. Your personal brand. Yeah. Does that make sense? Is that what you're at? Is this is that me, personally me, which I would rather be doing, choosing a brokerage or building a brand. Is that what you're asking? Well, I think a lot of I think a lot of agents uh, choose a brokerage, uh, thinking that the brokerage is going to do everything for them. But uh, most agents know that brokerages aren't there to help them. The brokerages right. are there to run their franchise, and you have to personally build your brand. That's always been my yeah. Yeah, I think you want to build. I think as a real estate agent, you you, you want to have a brand for whatever that means to you, where people know that you that's what you do. You know, and they know who you are. They find you. It's kind of like uh, you know, you want people to think that you're the best, uh, you know, toothpaste or whatever, or that you're good for what they want to do. So. I say building your brand. That's what I fall on. So how do you market yourself, Andy? How do I market myself? Well, I I live in the same place I've lived, same neighborhood I've been in, and the same house I've been in for 30-odd years. I am a little bit older than 25. 
And and when I was first starting in the real estate business, there were, people would talk about how you we used a trainer called Buffini. Our company offered that Brian Buffini, and he talked about different types of campaigns. I don't know who we're actually where I got it from, but I'm more of like the mayor campaign where I just sort of you know I like people to know me in my neighborhood. I like to do ref- work by referrals, so I just uh, talk to people who I see. I walk around a lot, and you know it's through my circle and. When you first start, you, see, you may not think you have a circle, but you do. Your friends are your circle, and you start talking to them and, and keep talking. And letting. most important thing is to let people know that you do this. If, if your friends don't know that you're doing this, then they're never going to think of you. And um, that's how I start. Now, as you get bigger and if you want more business than you, you have and you want to have more people part of your, your business, you have to think of other ways to market. So... Um, like cir- I, I like circle talking marketing. People, talking to everybody. I like the idea that... And I've never done it, but I think if somebody did this, they would have more business than they can, than they could use. Uh, anyone you meet, if you can do this five times a day, say to somebody, "Who do you think? Uh, who do you know who's thinking of buying or selling real estate?" If you could do that five times a day personally to people, you'd have more business than you can think of. That's I think. I think that's from Brian Ferry. I think. Don't really remember where I got that, but I believe that's do, true. Do you do, you do that? To people, letting people do you know do that, Andy? That you're, yeah. I, th- I think it's Tom Ferry, isn't it? Tom and Mike Ferry. It's Brian. What's Brian? I can't remember. Buffini. Yeah, yeah. You know, they're all there's branding. They all sort of run together in a way. I haven't really. Uh, I'm not. None of these people are like gurus to me. But there's people who go home on a technique and stay with it. I'm I'm kind of like to pick and choose or cherry pick from different places. But I do think, in terms of building your business, if you do that every day you'll get plenty of business. And, you know, if you think of another way to do that, then that's fine, too. But How are you staying in uh, touch with your past clients? Well, um, you know, I phone calls. I have a database that I built myself, and I look through them. And I just uh, call people as I can think of it. I'm not very... Um, Low-tech. Um, I'm not really... High-touch. ...disciplined about it. But, you know, that's just the way I run my business, so... Uh, some people say do it every Friday, call all the people that you can think of that you know who might who you've done business with. I do believe past business is the best way to work. You know, work with somebody, make sure they know you're doing a great job and that you'll do another great job for them or their friends, and then that's the way to get business. Yeah, I mean, you can send emails out. All that stuff works. It's all part of what you do. But the, the main thing is reaching out and how you do it, whatever works for you. How, you many, how many people do you have in your database now? In my database, in, in my real estate database, I must have, uh, let's see, well, I'll tell you, we, we send out a, a holiday card every year, a printed card. My wife is an artist. She draws it, and um, people, have, we've done this for 10 years now, and that, that mail base is about four, five, four, 400 to 450 people. Some of them are our friends, some of them are friends and clients, and you know, some are both. Geez, Andy, I don't. Geez, Andy, I don't get that. Nine hundred and fifty, and that includes sellers, buyers, vendors. Um, you know, our attorneys, all that kind of stuff. I don't get that uh, card or letter. Yeah, I don't. You either. don't. But the hell. You know what? If you email me, I will uh, now. I'll, you'll get it. You'll be on our list. <laughs> Thank you. So this uh, we, we, this card uh, is it, re- it? Does it uh, relate to real estate? Is there like a Santa landing? His house on a cape in Jamaica Plain, uh, which is outside of Boston, we should mention. Oh, it's actually part uh, of Boston. Up, no, Jamaica Plain is part of Boston. It's, yep. it's, we I, have, I, I'm looking out my window. I see a Boston policeman. I, the children who live in Jamaica Plain I go cor- to the I corrected Jamaica myself. School, in Boston school, sorry. So, 
Um, let's see. Yeah, it, it, those staring them the same. They're basically scenes, domestic-like scenes that refer to the season. Um, one of them is a. It's kind of a drawing of Jamaica Pond, and we have all these people who live who might live in Jamaica Pond. People skiing, walking their dog, um, ice skating on the pond. Another year, we did a party inside somebody's house. It kind of looks like a typical New England house, and we have. Uh, I'm looking at them now, so I can tell you. I have six, okay, uh, so fifteen people in there, and so I have a question. Drawing, and they kind of look like people you might know. And then the one that I like the best is right outside of our office. There's a scene of of the storefront uh, and people on their bike, and a, a bus going by. It looks very. Andy, you're going to make me sorry I asked. It's beautiful. It's the kind of thing that people remember. <laughs> okay. And it is refers to a neighborhood, you know, a kind of a made-up okay. neighborhood let's, let's re- looks let's like to make a plan. So. <laughs> All right. So, uh, question. Um, let, let's say, hypothetically, you're part of a really big company, and yeah. um, they went out of business tomorrow. This is <laughs> all hypothetical. You have to you you decide you want to stay in the industry, but you don't have their name, their marketing, their whatever to rely on. What would hmm. you do to continue your business at the same level that it's at now? Well, I probably would get a broker's license and uh, use the database that I've I've been doing this for like maybe fifteen years, so. I, I have a really good set of people, and I would just sort of crank up the marketing on my own. Um, I don't know exactly what I would do. I might get well. Nervous let's for say a while, you didn't need a broker's license. Well, let's say talking to the people that I know. I you know I I know the business. I know the I know my neighborhood. I know the turf. I know how things work, and um, I would probably step up my email campaign. I probably would go get Mailchimp or something like that. I might talk to some other brokerages. I'm not sure because. Um, you know, this has worked for us. There's, and, a, there's and a shortage of brokerages like to, to talk to, to, to you, you realize. That's really, really a big plus in so, so many ways. So you could carry on. Yeah. What's that? Uh, so, so you could carry on. It wouldn't be a problem. I just want to also yeah, give a, a plug-in for uh, Andy's wife is Carol Palmer brilliant and she is an excellent artist. So uh, although we haven't seen any of these, I'm sure they're wonderful. Yeah, we're on Facebook sometimes. Um, but, um, yeah, and she's also a real estate agent, so we're partners. We've been partners in our businesses over the years, so that works. I do think one of the things that I've really learned in real estate over the years, um, to do this on your own as a sole proprietorship, it, it requires a lot of attention that if you have a partner or if you have team people who are working with you or for you, you can do a lot of things. You can be much more efficient. And, you know, I'm, I've never been like a great boss in that I don't like employees. I don't like to hire employees and order them around. So I'm not the best person for that. Um, you do make more money if you have people working for you, you know. But I just think you can't do this by yourself. I really, that's one thing I've really come to see as, as a sole proprietor in real estate. You could do it if you kind of have a very limited scope, but I think if you want to expand and feel like you're keeping up, you need to have team members one way or another. And one of the big one of the big criticisms I've had of the places I've worked at, which I've been at, I think, two or three different brokerages. Well, the first one was very small, and the person, the owner, basically, I worked next to them, and I learned a lot from her quickly because I didn't know anything. But the other two, 
they, they didn't really have a good mentorship program. And if I were to have my own brokerage and wanted to grow, I would definitely build that into whoever comes to work for me, that there's a, mentor, a formal mentorship program one way or another. Okay. Um, so, Andy, we, we, we have a that. question. Uh, I usually ask it, and uh, if we have a guest, um, they can sort of uh, answer it along with uh, Larry. So the question's from Andrea Lindley from uh, Scottsdale, Arizona. She writes, I have about 10 years before retirement, and I am wondering, in your opinion, which is the better investment, the stock market or real estate? Well, that's a, that's a oh, wow. really good question, I think. And with only 10 years of running, you have to be really careful about the investment that you buy. You want to make sure that it's it's uh, creating cash flow for you almost right of the well, way. Well, it could be real estate, too. I mean, not that real is, estate, the uh, stock market. Oh, it absolutely could. But I think uh, it's proven over and over again that real estate is the better investment. How about you, Andy? Well, well I have the money that I've made in real estate. I, it's ended up in real estate and in, you know, stock brokerage account. I think you have to spread it around. It depends what you, you, is this person a real estate agent or they just wanted to know? No, she's retiring in 10 years. She's asking us for advice. From what? From what? What is she retiring from? From her job. (laughs) (laughs) Not as a real estate agent. I don't know who the audience is. I don't don't Um, know her personally. Yeah, she just came Uh, in through our website. I thought everyone in Scottsdale was already retired, but I guess she's still working. (laughs) Maybe she works at a retirement home. Well, um, you know, I have, I'm in the business. I help people buy and sell real estate and help investors as well. And I have a few real estate investments. And a couple, the two, I, the few that I have now, one of them was far away and I didn't have much control over it. It was a sort of a, it happened, you know, it was 10 states away and it just happened by chance. Um, I didn't like that idea. I think real estate's a great investment if you, if you know what you're doing, if you can afford it, if you if you figure the numbers out, if you direct, you know, if you buy something, and if you have a good agent to help you or a good financial person to explain the numbers, a lot of people buy real estate. They do it on the cheap, and the, the margin for them is so low that, in you know, usually most invest most real estate does go up in price, and you can afford to wait wait out the ups and downs. But you have to have the right cash flow situation where you're making enough money on it and you're putting enough aside just in case. And I don't I don't know that everybody does that. I see some investors who buy something and they don't figure in all those percentages of expenses. You know, they, right. they say, oh, this looks Well, this they don't, money. They don't maintain the properties. But they yeah. Maintenance is they the big, count, yeah, big they cost. They discount a lot of the um, expenses they might incur, you know, if they're, as a small investor, you know. So I, I think in, if you can find the right deal in real estate, it's, it's fine because it's a depreci- it depreciates in value on paper but can go up in value in real life and you get income from it, so... Well, thanks so much, Andy. We really appreciate you uh, coming on and being our guest today. Look forward to seeing you down the road. All right. How did I do? I want to know how you what you guys think. You did great. We'll we'll see. Cards and letters will be coming. Thanks so much. Oh, and when can I hear this? Is this live or you record it or? (laughs) We'll let you know. We're we're live. I'll talk to you after we're off the air. Thanks so much. All right. Okay. So <laughs> he's a chatty one. <laughs> he, uh, let's get to the news or let's get to uh, iguanas in Florida. 
<laughs> did you see that uh, that I, news I article? I did not. I looked at the uh, the curbed uh, issue about Oregon uh, okay, well, zoning. We'll do Oregon second. So uh, in in uh, in Florida, like uh, 10, 15 years ago, there were just like maybe a couple of iguanas, and they were both probably at the zoo. Uh, and now they're hanging from every shingle and, and they're burrowing under houses and under highways and um, swimming in swimming pools. They're, they're, they're having the time of their lives. There's millions of iguanas all over the place. And these aren't those little um, three or four inch lizards that, that jump around in Florida. These are the six to eight foot long 50 pounders. Uh, wow. Well, maybe they're not 50 pounds, but they might as well be. I mean, if you, if you saw a six-foot iguana, you would say, oops, <laughs> that's something. Right. So now they're uh, making it legal to kill them. You can shoot them. You can stab them. You can poison them. You can run them over with a four-by-four. Four. They like their guns in Florida. Well, uh, they're worried about it because they're undermining everything. Literally, they're, they're going into irrigation systems. Oh, and they carry salmonella also. Oh, yeah. And, and and they're all called Iggy. So if you want to catch one, you know, you just yell, hey, Iggy. And <laughs> you can grab them easily. So, uh, yeah, let's talk about Oregon next. Well, Oregon, uh, interestingly enough, has passed a, a law just today, was it, or yesterday, they have effectively banned single-family zoning. This is awesome, by the way. This is awesome. There is such a shortage of affordable homes everywhere, and so many properties, so many uh, counties and towns across the country, you have to buy, uh, have an acre to put a house in. So that diminishes the amount of houses you can actually put up. And so by banning effectively banning uh, single-family zoning, you're saying you can build with greater density and uh, then you can be more affordable. I think it's a great idea. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, 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 hope it, uh, I hope it works out in Oregon and then other states see uh, how to correct their issues. I mean, every, every major city is going through a housing shortage right now. Well, anybody who's in real estate understands that when you go from town to town, the zoning board and and the building department kind of rule your life. You can do something, you can't do something, and this is uh, they are even over HOAs, uh, uh, home ownership uh, uh, associations. Uh, they can change your life. They can dictate how you paint your home or what you put in your home or can you have a car on the street outside your home. So let's talk about Japanese knotweed. <laughs> Ever hear of that? I do not know Japanese okay, so knotweed. Larry, uh, you should take notes. You may have it in your own yard and not even know it. Um, I did not know about it until... Uh, on one of my properties, the tenant let me know that um, some kind of weed was coming up through the asphalt. And I took a look at it, and I thought to myself, oh, it's, uh, it's rhubarb. You ever see rhubarb? I love rhubarb pie. Yeah, well, this, is, this looks like rhubarb, but it's, um, it's a bee to, to kill. Let's put it that way. In Great Britain, you can't get financing on a property if it has Japanese knotweed on it. It's it's that it's that crazy. And um, every year, I go out with lots of salt. Let's just say like 
half dozen containers of salt. I go with ammonia. I try not to use Frontline anymore, but I probably still have a little bit. Of, I mean, we just go crazy on this stuff. Uh, first, we whack it down, and then, uh, you know, the, the weed is, it comes up every year. There's almost no way to kill this thing, and it's really serious. There's 200 acres of it growing in, in, uh, in New York City, for example. They, wow. They, they can't kill it. So you but, would think being in New York City could kill almost anything. <laughs> you would think New York City uh, would kill it just by being New York City. But the point is maybe everyone and that means all the real estate brokers out there should learn to be able to identif- identify this uh, this this weed. And, uh, you know, it's probably going to happen that you have a broker who's going to be sued because they didn't identify it for their buyer and they're going to come back. You know, it's, it's eating food. How come you didn't know this? How come you weren't aware of Japanese knotweed? This is such another red flag that real estate agents every single day, if we're not aware of things like this, and I wasn't, I have to get a picture of it and see if it's on my personal comes property. Up right through the asphalt. And, and the, the, uh, the roots go forever. So in order to dig it out, you'd probably need like a backhoe and a, and a crew to, to just excavate the whole property. Well, if it is Japanese knotweed, maybe it came from Japan and it just burrowed all the way through. It, it might have. There's, there's something going through the Mediterranean right now, and uh, that came from Japan. But... Uh, it's a, it's a huge red flag, yeah. and we we were going to talk about some of the different red flags that, that I I got I got my red flag of the week uh, for all the landlords out there that ever Google a prospective tenant and find their name in the news, and the news is not that great, but they have a great explanation. Just tell them, yeah, yeah, thank you, but you know we're gonna pass. I had one. This guy, um, something about, it wasn't domestic uh, violence or whatever, abuse, but it was something with a neighbor, and he explained it just perfectly. It was a perfect story, but um, it's a character flaw in in this person that he had any kind of issue with anybody and that it got into the news. That's that's something. So that's sort of a red flag. And he showed up with 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 a little attache case with all his uh, marketing stuff about himself it's another red flag if someone has to sell you on why you should lease to them just forget about it <laughs> there's this uh, you you should already know why you want to lease to them they had a good credit report they have a co-signer they got good income they've got a couple of good references oh and references maybe speak to their neighbors that's the most important thing the neighbors know you, I, I've had people. Their their best reference was their mother. <laughs> <laughs> well, they that's they, another uh, red flag. Uh, yeah, I I was taught to go three deep, and what they mean by three deep is people will give you three references, but each person that you talk to, you would ask them, "Do you know anyone else that knows Jim?" You know, and um and call that person. So you're going with each of the three people. So you're actually talking to six or nine people about it. My red flag for the week is negotiation. When you are negotiating with another agent and they're not listening to you 
or they're just repeating the same phrase over and over again because they're not listening to you, you might as well just blast right out of that because it's never going to get any better. All right, so Broker Talk is sponsored today by Castles Unlimited, where you get the best real estate offers, quote, unquote. Online, go to castlesunlimited.com for all your real estate needs. So we still have a little bit more information here. Um, the pending home sales, uh, I'm almost reluctant to, to do this every, uh, every show, but um, people are interested. Pending home sales, PHS, uh, has ticked up a little bit, but the number of houses is going down. So in two, uh, 2018, there were more houses being sold. In 2019, the houses are a little bit more expensive, but there are fewer of them sold. It's such an insignificant number of changes that it's not really talking about anything. Do you have uh, interest rate uh, information against uh, 12 months ago? Are we settling back to about where we were? Or? The Lawrence Young from uh, National Association of Realtors, um, he's talking about 3.6% uh, um, uh, for some loans. That's, a, that's still a fantastic number. Uh, if you can get a loan at that price point, uh, you should do it. Go buy another house. Get a second house. Well, also, uh, so w what about inventory? Uh, do, do we have any information on inventory. what's on the market versus what was on the market a year ago? Well, uh, there has been more because prices continue to go up. Those neighbors are saying, well, my neighbor sold their house for X amount, and I, I've got a nicer house, so I'm going to sell for X plus two. Um, so there, there is more inventory out there, which means that the buyers have more choice. And we are moving into a buyer's market again, where the seller is no longer just uh, 10 days and they've, they've got a closing. Uh, in some cases, it's taking a more significant amount of time. Yeah, I've noticed that in, in certain locales and certain price ranges, some properties are on the market for over a year. So this is... Uh, an interesting fact so that when prices are rising and uh, actual sales are declining it's not going to be long before the prices decline also so depending on what the community is in the price range it could be significant it could be just a plateauing but it, it's something to consider we're 10 years into the uh, into the recovery so to speak. So, I was know. talking to an investor today. We are, um, you may know that the Northeast here is very, very expensive to live. Um, but in a town, Weston, there's a woman uh, investor I'm, I work with, and she's buying a $700,000 property. She's going to tear it down, and she's going to build a property of about $2.1 million. And I said, wow, that price point's a little tough right now. And she had the statistics right there. Uh, when you're over $2 million in Weston and it's brand-new construction, it goes in very short period of time. Well, yeah. Uh, I mean, actually, the price you just mentioned uh, tends, tends to be on the lower side for new construction. If you were maybe three or four million or higher, right days on the market would would be 
right would be would higher. be be higher but but interestingly enough in other towns the price point between say for instance 800,000 and 1.5 million they're just sitting there you'll have 10 15 20 houses in that market and because there is so much inventory uh, the buyers are just waiting it out hmm okay so anything anything else to add uh, we have a little bit more time here, and, and I was reading the Counselors of, of Real Estate, CRE. They're, they're talking about the top 10 challenges facing the real estate industry. Infrastructure, we're seeing that with, with uh, companies like EXP getting rid of bricks and mortar. Uh, affordability is always an issue in the real estate. Um, weather and climate risks, boy, that is coming up. Did you see that there was five feet of snow in yeah. Mexico? That was awesome. Yesterday. Well, it wasn't snow. It was, it was, it was ice. Ice and sleet. <laughs> oh, in Mexico, yeah. you know, I'll bet there's not many uh, 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 plows in Mexico. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Technology sure is, is really changing the industry a great deal. Uh, your, uh, your real estate office is your phone is in so many um, we're coming to the end of a cycle now. We have been in such a good cycle for so many years. Uh, it's bound to end political divisions. That is something that's raising its, its, its head this year and until we have an, the next election. Capital market risk. Now that, I think that affects mostly the commercial rather than the, the residential end because it's, you know, you're putting a lot of capital into a building. Population migration, um, that's another issue, volatility and confidence, and then the public and private indebtedness. Now, uh, our government has put on so much debt in the last two years, that has got to be worrying people not just inside our country, but outside the country as well. Yep, yep, yep. Uh, the the tax, uh, tax rebates for the rich, it did not help at all. It certainly didn't help anybody in the middle class. That, that's for sure. So the, our, our show here is both for the consumer, so you have a better understanding of what it's like to actually talk to real real estate agents, and for agents so they can get better informed about the issues every single week. Keep sending your questions. Broker Talk is a weekly podcast hosted by real estate industry professionals, and we're always dedicated to telling it like it is. We thank you for coming to your whatever you are listening on <laughs> and hope, hope to talk to you again next week. This is Jim. And this is Larry. Signing off. See you next week. <laughs> <laughs>